Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast brought to you by First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Sean McCreary, Wealth Investment Officer for First United Wealth Management. Today, we will be covering matters of interest regarding the investment markets and the related economic environment impacting those markets. Before we get started, I would like to cover some housekeeping items. First, this podcast will be recorded and posted to our website at www.mybank.com blog later today. Secondly, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Simply search First United Bank and Trust, hit the subscribe button, and you'll get a notification every time we post a new episode. Well, let's get after it. <clears throat> Overall, we continue to think the positives outweigh the negatives for the U.S. economy. We continue to see positive GDP growth um, for the U.S. economy, um, and, and we continue to see think we will see positive markets through the end of this year and into 2020. But let's take a look at the positive and negatives uh, that we see currently in the in the market. First of all, starting off with the positives, we continue to see a very very tight labor market. There's a few Items we look at here, data points we look at, uh, the first is non-farm payrolls. Uh, this is a monthly report, and in this past past November, it added uh, a robust 266,000 jobs in November, well coming in well above expectations. The unemployment rate dipped to 3.5% from 3.6%, remaining near a, a 50-year low going back all the way to the late 60s. Annualized wage growth slipped to 3.1% from 3.2%, but still maintained uh, above that 3% level. Really some of the best wage growth uh, that we've seen from this recovery, uh, but much, much lower uh, than we've seen in past recoveries, at least at least at this stage in past recoveries. Initial jobless claims is, is a weekly survey that we also look at. Uh, and the week ended November 30th. Uh, U.S. unemployment or jobless claims uh, declined by 10,000 to 203,000, <clears> and the monthly average, a little, uh, uh, the other indicator we look at for these new claims, uh, kind of tends to uh, level out the volatility that these can some sometimes have. Hit the lowest level in in the past seven months at 217,750. Other indicator we look at is the JOLTS report, job openings, labor turnover. What this really looks at is uh, the how many jobs out there are available versus the amount of workers out there looking for a job that continues ha has continued to um, as to hover around the two million uh, mark of more of more jobs out there available than workers looking. Uh, but we'll get another read on that uh, next week. Um, but we continue to expect that to, to remain strong like it has uh, so far this year. The next item we look at uh, is the Institute of Supply Management, their non-manufacturing and manufacturing index. Uh, these, Before we get into this report, really why we look at this, and really many market analysts look at this, as you'll see this is a headline typically when it's released. It is one of the few forward-looking indicators that we see most of the uh, data points we look at, such as non-farm payrolls, those jobless claims, GDP data, consumer spending data, it's typically backwards-looking data. This, these 
ISM uh, purchasing manager indices are surveys that done uh, to survey executives and purchasing managers that really kind of look out to say, okay, how's your business doing? What do you expect from the next six to 12 months in your industry? So with that, that non-manufacturing or service side of the, uh, this index, which is probably 70 to 80% of the U.S. economy, uh, is remained in expansion territory, though it did fall for the month of November to 53.9% from 54.7% in October. Again, these are diffusion indexes, so if you're above 50%, you're uh, expanding. If you're below 50%, you're contracting. So services side stayed uh, in expansion territory. And many of the, the data points we look at, at such as new orders, export, uh, exports, employment, all remain firmly firmly in expansion territory. Though production and backlog order backlog of orders did fall, uh, and backlog of orders remained in contraction territory. That'll be something we kind of look at uh, and, and uh, update you on over the next several months. Commentary though from respondents uh, for the these uh, these surveys uh, really remain positive for the non-manufacturing index. Uh, but though they do have some caution kind of as we enter 2020, uh, many of the uncertainties uh, tend to tend to uh, commentary tends to uh, be viewed around the, that U.S. and China trade uncertainty. Next, the next item we look at is NFIB Small Business Owners Confidence Survey. Uh, in the U.S., this rose in November, its largest month-over-month -month gain since May 2018, uh, as owners continue to invest higher and increase wages. This is really important because 70 to 80% of the U.S. workforce is employed by a small business. Uh, it, is, it is really a, a survey of, of what those small business owners are thinking, um, and, and it showed, really bodes well for the next several months. Uh, as this can, as business, small business owners continue uh, to remain confident, a little bit different than what we're seeing from uh, CEO confidence numbers uh, of the more large multinationals that serve uh, international customers on a regular basis. Next, consumers really remain resilient. U.S. consumer sentiment improved significantly this month, rising to 99.2% from 96.8% in November, uh, according to the University of Michigan uh, Consumer Sentiment Survey. Strong labor market has given consumers this confidence uh, to really keep spending and extend this, this economic expansion now in a record 11th straight year. And, and this is kind of what we expect with this tight labor market, starting to see good wage growth and, and really low continued low interest rates uh, as, as access to credit uh, for consumers continues to remain fairly easy. Next, the housing market continues to show signs of life. New home sales were near... We're up nearly 32% on an annual basis in October. Uh, borrowing costs, as, as the Fed eased again for the third time this year in, at the end of October, have really lowered rates and, and made uh, housing prices more affordable, really spurring activity uh, for those consumers uh, looking to buy, buy homes. And we've, we've seen this not only in this new home sales, but in other parts of the housing market data. Next is real GDP. Uh, this was revised up in the, the second of three revisions uh, to this data. 
Uh, it was rise up to 2.1% uh, from 1.9% in the third quarter of 2019. That improved figure really stemmed mostly from an upward revision in inventories and investment structures. The economy really continues to expand, driven by consumer spending, but really partly offset by uh, the, the weakness and lack thereof of, of business uh, capital expenditures or business investment uh, that we'll talk about here in a second. And that ends really the positives that the main positives we see here in the market. Now to the negatives. The U.S. and China trade rift really remains the top headline that we can that really continues to consume uh, the, the financial market news. More recent data has been positive, though, as both the delegations from both the U.S. and China side uh, discussing trade remain in talks. Uh, though we were coming up to a very important date as December 15th, uh, new tariffs are set to go on the remaining Chinese goods that have yet to be tariffed uh, that are imported into the U.S. Though, as we do expect uh, a possible phase one uh, trade deal over the next few weeks, the expectation has been this December 15th deadline will be either extended or done away with altogether. Um, this though, this phase one trade deal really only uh, gets us back to, to some agricultural purchases, but, but the hope is that it can um, stop the escalation of, of these trade tariffs. But we really think overall that uh, not only with China and the, the I think the the harder things to get done in the trade deal with China, China such as uh, intellectual property theft, uh, more open markets, um, as well as, as deals with other countries that trade and trade uncertainty will remain a headwind uh, for the U.S. for the next several years. Uh, we do think deals will get done not only with China but with other countries, uh, but we do think bouts of market volatility will occur whenever new information is released or, or, or um, trade negotiations are taking place, and it will just be a headwind and cause market volatility over the next several years. Next, the November Institute of Supply Management's Manufacturing Index uh, that purchasing management indices remained in contraction territory for the fourth consecutive month. That manufacturer index fell to 48.1% uh, from 48.3% last month. And many of those numbers we look inside that make up that, that manufacturing index, such as new orders, production, employment, and backlog of orders, all remained in contraction territory. Comments from executives really center around demand being weak and outlooks being soft for the start of 2020. Much of, much of this uncertainty comes from the trade uncertainty uh, that has really mired uh, the manufacturing index for, for the majority of, of 2019. Next, we see geopolitical tensions such as, such as protests in Hong Kong um, and in uh, economic weakness uh, in, our, in Iran and especially just oil price weakness uh, we think that'll keep geopolitical tensions higher in the Middle East um, over over the next the next few years, um, and we think this could really snowball um, into into events that could possibly move markets. We don't think these these two events by themselves, weakness in Iran, the Hong Kong protests, can can cause uh, recessionary environments in in those countries. 
uh, or the, those areas and, or, and definitely don't think that'll cause a global recessionary um, problems. But we do think they have the ability to move markets um, and, and will continue to be somewhat of a headwind uh, as we move into 2020. And finally, the, our, our last negative for the month, we continue to think, and this has been really our, on our negative list for uh, the majority of, of this year, is that monetary policy missteps uh, by central banks, not only here in the U.S. by the Fed, Federal Reserve, um, but, but all, across the, uh, all across the globe, uh, central banks, those missteps remain one of the greatest risks for financial markets over the next several years. Now, central banks have become much more accommodative as the year has worn on with the Fed uh, uh, decreasing rates uh, three times so far this year, cutting rates three times so far this year uh, due to trade uncertainty and weaker economic data. But like we've seen in the past, uh, many recessions have been caused um, by the central banks becoming to putting too contractionary or, or too negative monetary policy uh, or non-accommodative policy into into play, and that then in turn cuts off growth for economies and 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 at least in past recessions has been one of the main causes. Um, we'll see if we can kind of get around this this time, but with but with the central banks becoming more accommodative this year, the one of our main worries as well is that there might not as be, not might not be as many monetary policy tools in central bankers tool bags uh, to deal with a possible recessionary environment as you see many of the uh, <clears throat> many of the countries over in Europe have uh, negative rates right now on their many of their government bonds with their nearly 15 trillion dollars uh, in negative uh, negative yielding bonds across the globe currently so we think that that these monetary policy missteps um, could could really be one of the greatest risks for financial markets over the next several years. And before I get into our, our main conclusion, <clears throat> I will say that again, we think overall the positives uh, outweigh the negatives right now. We continue to think we will continue to see positive uh, positive uh, returns from markets uh, into into 2020. Um, and, and, and continue to think uh, we remain in expansion territory and with a, the GDP in the United States at this time. But we wanted to take a moment during this podcast and kind of just put a wrap up on 2019. It really has been a momentous year. Um, but just thinking back into the beginning of it, uh, it really began with a heightened sense of uncertainty following the fourth quarter sell-off. Uh, risk assets, though, did quickly gain momentum as the Fed took their dovish, uh, dovish pivot, um, the first quarter really ended with a with a slam dunk for the stock market, uh, with the S and P 500 experience, experiencing its best quarter overall and return since the third quarter of 2009. <clears throat> Despite economic uncertainty and the longest government shutdown in history, really overcame those and, and put out a very good first quarter. The second quarter. Equity markets really continued to rally, paying no mind to mixed economic data and global softening. Volatility, though, did rear its head in May and remained present throughout the summer as the trade war renewed worries and manufacturing reports reports continued to underwhelm. 
The third quarter, though, did start off calm with new all-time highs were reached as inflation remained tame and a resilient consumer overpowered global economic weakness. July really ended with a bang, though, and set off increased volatility uh, to start August with ISM manufacturing uh, index falling into contraction territory and the yield curve inverting halfway through the month. The yield curve remained flat and global manufacturing soft patch deepened. In October, the FOMC FOMC cut rates and, and uninverted the yield curve uh, and, and brought rates to a range of one and a half, their depository rate to a range of one and a half to 1.75%. Throughout the year, the U.S. economy really has been dominated by two main themes. First, like we talked about, a consumer, a competent consumer supported by a tight labor market, rising wages, some of the best uh, wage growth that we've seen so far in this recovery, and borrowing rates moving lower uh, throughout the year and access to credit remaining easy. The second has been uncertainty uh, in businesses mired by trade disputes, compressing margins, and tight labor market where it's really been hard for them to find new workers and many have cut off expansionary plans because of the lack of new workers and, and qualified workers that they can find. We end the year currently in our <coughs> in our current strategies, underweight equities and portfolios, as we think valuations are elevated at this point, and we really want to see further signs of stabilization in the manufacturing sector uh, before we add uh, increased risk into the portfolio. We've also been increasing quality uh, in our portfolios, and it really continues to be a main theme for our investment team discussion as we really look to protect portfolios from, from what we see as late cycle risks here over the next several months. Well, that really will conclude today's podcast. Again, this podcast can be found and replayed at our website, www.mybank.com slash blog. Or remember to hit the subscribe button on iTunes and get a notification every time we post a new episode. Thank you for listening and have a great day. This podcast is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken in adv as advice or recommendation for any specific investment, product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from First United Wealth Management or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples used are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision, and it should not be relied upon by you in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should be making an independent assessment of legal, regulatory, tax, credit, and accounting implications and determine, together with their own professional advisors, if any investment mentioned herein are believed to be suitable to their personal goals, investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for informational purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. 
All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not give back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results.